0: you wouldn't mind standing, turn to John 15, and we'll, we'll start in, in verse number 12. R- really, it's just two verses. Now, y- you jump into a, what I would consider to be a monumental section of Scripture here in, in John 13, 14, 15, and you just you take two verses and you preach out of it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to need some context around it, so I'm going to try to catch us up to speed and what's going on in the life of the disciples and the hearts and minds of the disciples and then what's going on around it. And so we'll do that, but we're just going to read a couple verses here. Verse number 12 and 13 says this. Jesus says to his disciples, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, the other reason I didn't want to preach that is I didn't want to preach on the theme. I'm like, I'll just leave that to pastor. He can do that. I'm going to pick something else, do what I want. But this is is where we're supposed to be. So it's short enough. Don't you think we could read that together? Okay, let's do it. Verse number 12, ready? This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Father, I sure do ask one more time that you'd help, that you'd give me wisdom and liberty to preach and help your people. Lord, I know there's been busy days and people are no doubt tired and um, have had maybe difficult situations at at work. And so, Lord, I pray that the time here would be helpful and beneficial to your, your people and your children. I ask that you'd encourage and confront and love and care. Help us all, Lord, to love one another and love the world around us, as it is our, our duty. So I pray for your enabling. here this this evening. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So when you're 10 years old, there's just, there's just not a lot going on up here. Uh, it, if, you're like, if you're like 8 to 12, can you raise your hand? If you're a guy, a boy, um, let me rephrase it. If you're a boy, and you're like 8 to 12, Eight to 12? Okay, thank you. Good. A couple honest people. A couple back there. Um, there's not a lot going on right here. I think it's at its peak when you're around 10. I mean, it can be, I'm sure you can, you can vacillate back and forth a little bit here or there. It depends on the person. But I, I would say at its, at its peak, boys are, 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 are the most ridiculous at age 10. You know, uh, eight, nine, you start to go down. I think 10, you reach like, like rock bottom. And then 11 and 12, you start to come up. On 12, you're, you're really ready to creep out of the weirdness. And then, and then you just go. You go until you're a freshman of Bible college. Then you tank again. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're fine in your sophomore year. But that freshman year, it's rough. 10 years, ten years old is, is brutal, I'm telling you. And, and so I'm going to tell you a story. I'm not necessarily proud of it. But when you're 10, you, you're not firing all, on all cylinders. And so it's not my fault. So we had dinner one night at my house. And it, my, my parents were there. I was 10. My sister's 12. I have a, a, a sister that's two years older than me. And older sisters, right? OK. So older sisters. I love my older sister. I really do. She's a blessing. In all honesty, she is. But she's still an older sister, you know? And so uh, it's, it's dinner time. We had our dinner. My parents were going to go run an errand. And, and they left us there. just Just her and I. And they said, you can play, you can do whatever you want, but what I want you to do first, you just go do the dishes. And so, I was like, okay, well, I wanted to go play, so we got done with dinner, my parents left. Me, as the, as the good, 10-year-old, obedient boy that I was, went straight to the dishes. My sister goes straight to her room, okay? Parents are gone, what are you going to do? So... I'm there. I'm doing my I'm doing the dishes. I get just about done with the dishes and 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 I'm putting the dishes into the dishwasher. Okay, they're going into the dishwasher. And my sister comes walking into the to the kitchen. And like every older sister, just automatically assumes that she is in control. Right. I was waiting for her. Right. (laughs) Assume she's in control. And she starts looking at where I've placed all the dishes inside of the, the dishwasher, and she says, That doesn't go there, and that doesn't go there, and that doesn't go there. You don't know where that goes, do you? And that needs to go there and that goes here. And she's telling. And the, the worst part is, as I'm looking at it, she is right. You know? <laughs> it was the worst part about it, is, is, is she was right on. And so she gave it to me and she gave me the runaround for a little while. And and I I had had I'd had enough. And so in in, in my little 10-year-old brainless mind, I, I, I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scare the life out of this girl. And, and she's, she has been ragging me for too long, and so I'm going to give it to her, and, and I'm going to scare her. And, and in my mind, I, I envisioned that when I did this thing, that she was going to fall to the ground, and that she was going to beg me for forgiveness, and that and she was just going to be in, in, in complete terror. And so my dad... He, he worked at a, at a packing house back then, a, a pork producer. And, and they, they have, my dad would, they allowed him to take these, these big old packing house knives. Okay. Now listen, don't do this. I'm telling you, if you're at any age, it's never okay. But this is just what I did. I was like, I'm going to scare, li-. total intent, I'm just going to scare the life out of her. And so I'm doing the dishes and it's right there. It's just, it's right there. And so I, I take it out of the dishwasher, and I give her the crazy eye, you know? And I go, Rah! I just give her this big old, big old crazy yell. And, and her you know, older sister, steely-eyed stare, she just looked at me and said, you're not going to do anything. Put it away. I was like, bummer, <laughs> she's right. And so I took the, the knife and was going to go put it in, into the drawer. And out of frustration, I opened the drawer and threw it into the drawer. And the knife just went <laughs> right in the drawer. Now, now, my mom had literally just painted and put knobs on, on on these. I'm talking back it was nineties, you know, real nineties, like light blue and it had like white handles and she had stenciled little hearts on there on, on <laughs> it was like, put a lot of work into it. And uh, and so when I did that, we instantly burst into laughter because that's that was funny. <laughs> and and because she's smarter than me and and I am ten, right? Okay. She goes, do it again. <laughs> and I, I said, OK. <laughs> Seems good. And so I boom. again. And she, she goes, do it again. And so I said, OK. <laughs> 8, 10, 12 times. I don't, I don't remember what it was. I, I, I rammed that blade into my mother's newly painted uh, cupboards in drawers. And so we went on, finished the dishes, went back, did our play-in, all that we do. My, my, we're sitting in the living room. My parents come walking through the door. And there's my sister. And she said, I mean, it, it all came out. I mean, she just told on me right there in, in front of me. And I was like, I thought we were having a good time. We were playing. We were just laughing. I was throwing knives. It was awesome. We were having a, a good old time. And she and, and my parents walk in. And then my sister said, Dad, Andrew pulled a knife on me. You know. <laughs> Technically that's true. So I mean, what am I gonna say? I'm I'm 10 and I'm sitting there, and you know, I I saw my dad's eyes go from about this big till about this big as he looks at me like this. And then she tells my mom that I stabbed her cupboards and her drawer, and my mom's eyes went from about this big till about this big. And man, I I paid for that. <laughs> I'm not sure which one I paid for worse, but I, I I paid for it. It was a bad deal, really bad deal. It hurts just thinking about it. You know, there there. My, my sister and I. We I'm so I I really truly I have a great sister. She's a blessing. But we knew how to fight. You know, we did. We knew how to fight and we knew how to make it right. It was funny how we worked. We would fight and then somebody in an instant would recognize they're wrong. They'd say, uh, we'd say we're sorry and then it was fine. And we just forgot about it and it wasn't even a thing anymore. And so that, that's just the way we worked. But I, I remember sometimes my mom might get so frustrated. She's like, if you, do, you don't stop fighting, I'm going to put you in the basement. I'm going to lock you in the basement until you figure this thing out. And she never did it, but she threatened it. Something to that effect. Really what she's saying, my mom was saying to us as, as, as we would fight as kids. Telling us to work th- through these things and to work things out. She was really saying this. You ought to love each other. You ought to love one another. Um, it's, it's a blessing to me, you know, when I, I have you know, two kids now and I get to see them getting along. And uh, it's a blessing when I see love and affection shown to each other. It's a it's a good thing. But you can rest assured that as long as there's two people, there's going to be conflict. And we, we see conflict all over the place. Uh, we, we see conflict in the world today, don't we? It's 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 nasty. It's ugly. I mean, we see co- we, we see conflict in politicians in, in politics, don't we? I mean, it is bad. We see these people mad at these people, and these people slinging mud here, and these people posting this on Twitter, and, and it gets ugly. And, and they're doing that because they're, they're pushing each other down because they want the power, and it's all about them, and if I have to get the power, therefore I have to trash on this person, and it, and it can get really, really ugly. I mean, we, we, see, we see conflict between the races. We see conflict right now in a, in a war that could, could easily spill over into a world conflict. It's conflict, I'm, there's conflict in the world. There's could be conflict in the church. Now, I, I truly am thankful that, 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 that we are, I, I am able to be a part of the Southwest Baptist Church, and I don't know of any conflicts, but I just, I just know the flesh well enough to know that if there's people together in the same place, there's going to be conflict. Right. And, you know, uh, conflict in a family. I mean, I, I, I know that. By, by experience. I mean, there, there can be conflict in a marriage. I, I don't know anybody here who's been married who hasn't experienced some measure of conflict. There's conflict between parents and children. There can be conflict. Uh, 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 children can be mad at parents because parents maybe had them do something they don't want to do or, or maybe parents made a mistake or they failed because, you know, parents do that, kids. We, we make mistakes and we fail and we mess up from time to time. And, and so there, there are faults and there can be conflict. There's conflict between parents and children. There can be conflict between children, kids, brothers and sisters, brothers, sisters, fighting, all of that conflict. There can be conflict between friends and co-workers. But but you can you can recognize this. Um, if there is conflict, it's because there's selfishness involved. Selfishness. Selfishness is is this. It's it's concerned excessively or exclusively with oneself, with themselves, with self. Selfishness. They're concerned with themselves. Seeking or concentrating on one's, own ad, uh, on one's own advantage, pleasure, or well-being without regard for others. It's all about self. So when it comes to conflict in the church, you know what the problem is? Selfishness. Do you know when there's conflict when, in a family, in a marriage, do you know what the problem is? One or both are selfish or being selfish. When there's conflict among a family and a parent and a, a child relationship, it's because there's, there's selfishness there. Now, surely that, that can be pride as well, too. But I think we can say that those two are interwoven in such a way, selfishness and pride. Man, you, you can trace every sin back to selfishness and pride. And, it, and it's there. And, and this, this conflict that, that comes, that is born out of selfishness, Do you know what it does? It stops the work of God. And you know when there's a family that is in conflict, a marriage that's in conflict, the, the, the family that you have and the family that I have were intended to be salt and light to this world. And so that when, when somebody sees your marriage or your family, you know what they're supposed to say? There's something different about them. And if they discover that it's, that it's your God, that ought to change their life. And selfishness in a family stops the work of God. And the same thing is, is when it's a, a parent and a child. And the same thing is when is when it's a church. When a church starts to turn inward, we've seen that in churches. When they, they stop being outward focused and they stop giving to missions and they stop sending to missions and they stop going other places. When a, a church turns inward and they start focusing on their buildings and they start focusing on their their, their uh, remodeling work. When they start focusing on all of those things, it's it's a bad deal. And it, it stops the progress and work of God. And I would say to anybody who's experiencing conflict here today, I, I think on the authority of the Word of God, do you know what you ought to do? Love one another. Love each other. But you don't understand, there's, there, there's conflict and there's fighting. How are we supposed to love each other when, the, when there's fighting? Okay, I'll love them like this. I'll love them to this level. Or I'll love them like this. Okay, I, I won't fight with them, but here's what I'll do. I'll avoid them. You sit over here, I'll sit over there. You say something over here, I'll look this direction. (laughs) That's how I'll deal. That's how I'll love them. Just avoid them. Um, You know what that is? That's drawing your own standard for love. And you and I, we can't define love. Because uh, if if you're going to deal with love today in in the world's eyes, the, the, the idea of love in the world that we live in today is so weird. I mean, it is weird. They think love just comes and love goes and it's like you're shot with Cupid's arrow and boom, you see, the, you see somebody and you're just in love and they get all these emotions that are, 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 are turning their stomach upside down and they're excited about the newness of a relationship and then all of a sudden this newness wears off and they say things like, I, don't just, I just don't love them anymore. Like love just came and like love just went. Like that is love. If you want to get the world's perspective on love, you could go to any number of dating shows. Not that I watch them, but I have, an, I have an understanding of what takes place where you'll see 25 guys vying after the attention of one girl. Or 25 girls vying for the attention of one guy. And they're, I mean, they're climbing on, over and through each other, scratching, clawing each other. Why? Because they're, they want to be in love. And they'll beat each other up to do it. They'll slander each other to do it. And and I'm I'm here to tell you, that is what the world thinks of love, but that is love. That is not love. If if The world will say this about love. Love is love. (laughs) Love, please define that for me, is love. I'm sorry, you cannot define a word with the same word. Right. You can't do it. Oh, no, this, this kind of stuff is under attack in our world today, in our nation, and particularly in our nation today. Do you know words are under attack? Yeah, sure. Let me give you an example. Can you give me a definition of a woman? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not a biologist, so... So you know what a biologist is, but you don't know what a woman is? No. And, and I'm, not, I'm really not mad about it. I'm just I'm just trying to give an example. I, I'm just saying th- there's a there's a problem, a serious problem with that, because either you have a very low IQ or you're a liar. Right. Yeah. Right. I tend to think you're a liar yeah. That's right. because there is a, a, a huge difference between a, a man and a woman. There is a big-time difference between those two, friend. And, and, and somebody has got to the, come to the place where they acknowledge the fact that, that men, and, and when, men and women are very much different and they have a different definition. But do you know why they don't want to do that? Because if they give a definition to a woman, they would have to acknowledge that there are two genders. And if somebody acknowledges that there are two genders, then their whole agenda is blown up. And so instead of saying, giving an accurate definition of what a woman really is, they just say, I don't really know. I didn't go to school to be a biologist. I only want to sit on the highest court in the United States. Yeah, is, yeah. You with me? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And the same thing is happening with the word love. Yeah. Right yeah. right and they'll say, you know, love is love. It's just love is love. You know, you, you can just love. You, you can just love will make you just walk up on a platform and slap somebody in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Did I say that? Yeah. <laughs> This is the time when I'm supposed to say that's not in my notes. But that's totally in my notes. <laughs> no, you walk up on a platform and you open-hand slap somebody on the face. A few moments later, you get up and you accept an award and say, love will make you do crazy things sometimes, don't you know? slap someone in the face. If somebody walked up here, and I hope it doesn't happen, but if somebody walked up here and slapped me in the face, I would not see them walk away and be like, man, that person must really love me. It wouldn't happen. Because that's not love. It's not. It's actually hate. Um, People don't want to define words People don't want to live by words because if they define the word accurately, they're required to live by it. And if we accurately define love, you know what we got to do? Live by it. But it's easy to love when you can define love however you want. You know what love is love means? Love is love means this. Love is love means this. I just want to love however I want. So love is love. This might be love to you and this might be love to me, but this is love to me and therefore love is love. And that that means I'm not bound to to some definition of the word love or some standard by the word love. I can just love however it is that I want because, friend, love is love. Woo! Makes you feel good, doesn't it? Here's the deal. We don't have the right to define love. There is one who can define love. And that is God himself. And I'm just telling all of us here today that you and me, we ought to love like Jesus. Yeah. And if we look at the life of Jesus, you might say, well, how am I supposed to love like Jesus? How, how are the disciples supposed to love like Jesus? They are required to love like Jesus. But did you know that the disciples had conflict I mean, there was tension between Jesus and the disciples. You go and you look at Jesus and the disciples and Jesus uh, says to Peter, Peter, who do people say that I am? And through that process, he confesses that Jesus is the Messiah and he goes, man, you got it right. Praise the Lord. And, and then they, start, they walk away and Jesus starts to unfold his plan about how he's going to die on the cross and he's going he's to suffer. And Peter takes him aside and starts to rebuke him and Jesus had to flip him around and say, get thee behind me, Satan. He said, you're out of line, pal. That's conflict. Now that's a no fault of Jesus' his own. You know he's altogether righteous and, and, and perfect, but I'm just telling you that there was conflict between Jesus and there was conflict between the disciples. There was conflict between James and John and Jesus when they walked out of a uh, out of a Samaritan town and they rejected Jesus. And so they they come up to Jesus and they say, "Jesus, should we scorch them? Should we call down fire from heaven and scorch the life out of them?" Jesus said, "I didn't come here to destroy them. I came here to save them." And he set them right. And he had had that confrontation. There was that conflict that was there. Now the disciples, you know, we all know that they had, they had conflict. They were fighting about who was going to be the greatest. Jesus, he's, they're walking with, with Jesus and they're in the back. And Jesus has to ask him, what were y'all talking about back there? And it's because they were fighting about, no, I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest disciple. and I'm the greatest disciple. And Jesus, he had to set them right. And I don't think that Jesus cleaned out every problem that they had there. I think they just went inward and went silent about it. And Jesus rebuked them for it. But inward, they're like, I really know I'm the greatest. I really know I am. And then you got James and John and their mom come to Jesus and say, I want to sit on the right hand. And I, want to hear, I want my boy to sit on the right hand. and my, my other boy to sit on the left hand. The other disciples turn to him and be like, you are so selfish. And there's the conflict. And what we see out of these disciples is we see them at, at points and in times along the way, they, they're crawling on over and through each other to be the greatest, oh, to be the best. they've got conflict and Jesus knows there's conflict and Jesus also knows that his time on earth is almost done and if if you were to say your last words to somebody that you loved and cared for wouldn't you save some of your most meaningful words for last I know that I would I'd pour my heart out to, to the person, the people that I loved. If I knew that I, I'm going to, I'm going to pass away, if I'm on my deathbed and I'm going to pass away, I'd say the things that mean the most to me and to my agenda. And Jesus is here, and he's he's gotten up from the Last Supper, and he's taken his disciples with him, and they're 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 walking literally walking to the cross, and they're going to die. And it's one of the few recorded times in the Scripture where Jesus is just alone with his disciples. It's such an intimate intimate time with them, and he knows that there's conflict, and he's been telling them he's going to die, and they know he's going to the cross, and so there's this there's this conflict that's there, and and there's this lack of joy that's there because they know that he's going to die, and Jesus has just a few words, a few moments left for his children while he's on this earth. And so he says unto them in verse number 11, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So wait, in verse number 11, verse number 11, we see that he's talking about he wants his disciples to have joy and and there's nothing that zaps joy more than conflict and selfishness. Sin in general. But Jesus recognizes that that is there in their life. And so he starts to talk to him and gives them an illustration about how the, the branch needs to abide in the vine. And he says, listen, if, if a branch does not abide in the vine, it's, it's good for nothing. It's not going to bear fruit. You might as well take it and break it off and throw it into the fire. Because it's good for nothing. And Jesus says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. And he starts to tell them, you have got to bear fruit, friends. And the only way that you can bear fruit is if you abide in me. And I think it's like nine times in this section of scripture, Jesus uses the word abide and he's just saying to him, abide, listen, you've got to abide, 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 abide. Can you see it? Going to the cross and he's dying and he's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave, but you've got to abide. I'm going to die, but you've got to abide. I'm going home, but you've got to abide. The disciples had to be confused. So you're saying, I, you're saying you're going to die, but I have to abide? How is it that, that I can abide in you when you're dead. Well, it's true that the disciples couldn't abide with Jesus anymore. They could, not, uh, they could not walk hand in hand with him anymore. And they couldn't abide with him. But they could abide in him by abiding in his word. Because they go to verse number, verse number 10, and you'll see that Jesus is telling them, Listen, if you want to abide in my love, you have to keep my commandments. You have to abide in my commandments. And, and the disciples might have been thinking, okay, well, what commandment? Because we've heard a lot of the commandments. Is it the Ten commandment? Is it this commandment? Well, he makes it very clear to them in verse number 12 when he says this, this is my commandment. It's you love one another. The, the word command, it's, a, it, it, it's an injunction. It's like an authoritative prescription is really what it is. So it's like a doctor prescribing a medication for, for an ill patient. And, and Jesus is saying he has the authoritative uh, uh, prescription for his disciples' selfishness. And he said, you know what you need to do? Here's what I'm telling you to do. Love one another. And notice he didn't tell them. If you feel like it. If they treat you right. If you all are just getting along. If, if you've got a good night's sleep. If the culture's okay with it, love one another. That's not what he says. He says this, this is my commandment. Love one another. And so, even in commanding it, his disciples could have drawn their own standard for love. Do you know that? Can you you see James and John walking up to the other disciples and say, yeah, we're supposed to love one another. Jesus said that we're supposed to love one another. So I just want to say, you know, I probably ought to apologize for the whole right-hand, left-hand thing. My mom coming up, getting involved. But, you know, love is love. (laughs) So, you know. Yeah, you know, John, hey, John, you remember that time that we loved Jesus so much and we loved Israel so much that when we left that Samaritan town that scolded Jesus and didn't like him, wanted to get him out there, remember when we loved Jesus and Israel so much that we asked God, Jesus Christ to call down fire from heaven and scorch them up? Yeah, that's right, man. Love will make you do some crazy things sometimes. Yeah. They could have drawn their own standard for love. But Jesus says this, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. That's the standard. That's the bar. And Jesus and his disciples walked together, and I don't even know how to speak this. I don't even know how to say it and say it accurately. But you think about all the people that came to Jesus Christ and were lame and were maimed and were hurt and were broken. And Jesus Christ had walked all day and he was tired because, yes, he was all God, but he was still all man. And they came to Jesus and Jesus one by one. Not, no, not, this, not this like this big swooping, you're all healed. No, one by one. Because everybody means something to him. And he came, one came lame and he healed them and another one came that was deaf and he healed them and he healed one after the other, after the other and after a long day. You you better believe the disciples had some questions and the disciples had problems and and they knew what it was like to spend time with Jesus and Jesus alone and so they they would approach Jesus and they would experience the tender love and care of our Savior. And they would know what it's like for the for For God in flesh to bow down at their feet and to wash their feet. He loved them. And they didn't understand it here, but Jesus, like I said, is walking to the cross, and they were going to see him die on the cross, and they were going to see him give up his life, and his hands were pierced, he was beaten, and the crown of thorns, and the nails, and all that took place, and Jesus was going to do that, and he was going to do that for his disciples, and they would they would understand that later, but they didn't get it now, but they would later on, they would they would understand the extent of Jesus' love, and, and, and these are the same disciples that would betray Jesus Christ, and they would run from him, and they would flee from him, but the Bible says, says this that Jesus loved them unto the end. Even Judas. And he's the same one that he when he when when he appeared to them, he appeared with these words. Peace. Jesus, we just we just ran. Jesus, we just fled. We 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 forsook you and we fled. Jesus, and the first words that he says to him as he appears to him is Peace. And then Peter later on says, I go a fishing in John 21. And he goes out and he's, and he's going back to his, his old ways and he's, and he's fishing. He thinks he's blown it. And Jesus is there on the shore and he brings them in. And the first words he says to them there is, come and dine. Let's fellowship. And Jesus would take that, 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 path, that, that section of scripture and he would restore them back to usefulness. I'm telling you, friend, they experienced the love of God. And so when Jesus said these words, I want you to love each other as I have loved you, that is a monumental task. You can imagine they sat there with the heaviness in the moment and said, how are we supposed to love each other like Jesus loved us? How can we love like Jesus? I mean, they were all on board for loving one another when they could draw their own standard, right? But when Jesus set the bar, it's different. And so Jesus says this. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Verse number 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. The word lay down, it just means to put or place. Uh, he, he wanted them just literally to take their life and to put it down. Now, now the, the word there is, is uh, tithemi. And there's two ways in which it's used. One, one way it's used is, is you put something down in an upright, active pos- position. So it's like you set something down on its feet. It's like a wind-up toy. You wind it up, you set it down, and you watch it go. That's not the way he used this one. He used it in this tense, a passive horizontal position. Lay it down and leave it down. It's not active. Take your life and lay it down. Now, he's telling his disciples to lay it down, but the problem is this. The disciples struggle with something that every one of us struggle with, selfishness. Because they love their life. They love their life. I love my life. And you love your life. They had an idea as to what following Jesus Christ was supposed to be like, don't you know? I mean, when Jesus came and they knew he was the Messiah, they thought, okay, we're going to rule and we are going to reign with power. We are going to sit on the throne with Jesus and Jesus is going to reign and so are we. That's money, that's power, that's prestige. I'm telling you, Jesus is going to bring Israel back to to a place of prominence. Oh yeah, friend, this is is a good deal. And they wanted to sit on Jesus' right hand and on the left hand. They thought, yes, this is what my life is going to be about. Power. Money. Yeah, they did. Let's not forget. It wasn't just an intellectual thing that they had going on for their life. Some of them were married. They had jobs. They they had bills. They were supposed to abide in Christ. They had a spiritual life to work on. And so you look at all the things that are taking place in their life. And they've got their life here. And it's like they're trying to juggle their life over here. And it's like they're, they're trying to juggle their their, their money over here. And, and juggle their job over here. And they're trying to make everything work. And what Jesus is saying to them is, listen, if you want to love like me. And if you, wanted to, if you want to live the life that I'm calling you to live. If you want to love like Jesus, you got to lay down your life you got to take it, and you got to put it down, and you don't breathe life into it. You don't wind it up and let it go. No, friend, you lay it down, and you let it die. That's what he's telling them. The disciples wanted to love like Jesus. They had to lay down their life. They could have been great fishermen. Now, if they wanted to carry on their life, they would have been great fishermen, but they wouldn't have been his disciples. I mean, they, they could have had maybe political careers and they may have been good at it. They, they could have had that. But if they didn't lay down their life, they wouldn't have been his disciple. They could have made money. But if they didn't lay down their life, they wouldn't be his disciple. It is required of a disciple. No, it is commanded of a disciple to take, down, take their life and to lay it down. It is not an option. It is a command. And it is the way in which the disciples could love is to take their life And lay it down. But it's our tendency, it's my tendency to selfishly hold on to our life. Isn't it? I mean, I know this can take, you think about it. It's our tendency to to, to selfishly hold on to the things that we want. I mean, we we see that in, we see it in Samson. And we see we see when he had a specific purpose for his life, and God said, "You are to be a Nazarite, and you are supposed to give me your life." And yeah, you're going to be weird, but you're supposed to follow me, and you're not you're supposed to stay away from these things. But he didn't say that. No, he said, "I want that woman." Selfish man. God had a plan for you, and you look at Jonah. God wanted to use Jonah, and he wanted he wanted to use Jonah to see the hundreds of thousands of people saved. And Jonah's like, I don't, I don't want to see them saved. I don't like them. They're going to come down. They're going to wipe out our nation. God, you've already told us that. I don't want to see them saved. You know what I want? Destruction. Scorch them, God. Bring judgment. He, he didn't want anything bad to happen to them. And we see that in David and Bathsheba, when, when David selfishly got what he wanted. And I'm thankful for David and what a, what a godly man that he was. But even godly men make selfish decisions. We have so many biblical examples of people who live selfishly and people who live selflessly. And you are called, and I am called, to love people. But it requires selflessness. And it requires um, sacrifice. But everybody has their life that they selfishly hold on to. Okay? So, you might not be able to see it, but this just represents... Uh, my life. Okay? Um, it could be a lot of things. It really could. And I, and I don't think that everything that's named in here is is really like completely selfish. You with me? It, it doesn't, just because you have hobbies, it doesn't mean you're selfish. But we sure do know how to take things and use them selfishly. I think that every one of us know what that's like. But I mean, it, it, it very much could be uh, hobbies. It, it very much could be the way you think your life is supposed to work out. Am I right? It, it could be the fact that, now let me, let me, let me speak to the, the, some that are uh, in ministry. It may be that, that you think ministry is supposed to be a certain way, but you find out that it's not working that way. It might be that you're here in your college age and you're single and you're single for longer than what you thought you were supposed to be because you had it all worked out in your mind. I was going to get married here and I was going to have kids here and now both of those times have gone by and it's like, God, that's, that's not what I wanted for my life. It's my life. This is what I want. I want it and I want it now. It's my life. Could be the, the pursuit of a job to the neglect of so many other things. It could be the desire for money. Sinfully so. It could be a a million different things. And I can't tell you, I can't come up with every single example as to what this ball entails. But I can tell you this much, that if we're not careful, this ball can represent a selfish, selfish life. Spending hours and upon hours upon hours playing video games, going golfing, doing all these things to the neglect of God's work and to the neglect of a family friend. I'm telling you, if we're not careful, we will use our life in such a selfish way if we're not careful. Yep. But this isn't all to life. There there is more to life that God brings. He brings a spiritual life and we got to have it, right? He's telling his disciples, abide in me. He says, I want you to abide. And that has to do with their spiritual relationship to God. And and so this this right here, what what God brings into our life that we are are required, are commanded to accomplish in this life, we have to maintain a relationship with God above. We have to. And, And so this would represent your Bible reading. It would represent your prayer time. It, it would represent your church attendance. And if you're in the youth group, it would, it would, it would uh, represent the times you go to youth camp and the times you go to youth con and the times you go to youth conferences. And, and, and yes, b- baseball might be important. Okay, let me say that again. Baseball might be important. But how much more important is this? Yeah, your sports team might be important. But to the neglect of this? And so this would be church attendance. It's what it would represent. But there is more. I mean, everybody here, I would say a lot of people here have jobs, right? You got you to gotta work. That's what this represents. A lot of people got to work. And if you're, if you're a stay-at-home mom, I'm telling you, you are working three jobs. You're working. It's school. Work in school. We'll, we'll say it's, it's that because, I mean, there's a lot of people in here that are going to school. And that's something God has required of you. That's something God wants from you. That he's calling you to do. So therefore, it it would be your work. It would be the time you spend at work. It it, it would be the school. It would be the homework. It would be all of those things. And listen, God is calling us to do all of these things. And we have got to juggle all of this in life. Here we go. (laughs) It's always hard getting started. Oh, yes. Look, God, I got my life. I got my spiritual life. I'm still doing work and school. God, I'm doing everything that you got on my plate. Easy. But wait a minute. There's more. There's more to life. Others. Others. Um, it represents your marriage, uh, husbands giving proper attention to their wife. And that just takes time. Um, Wives, giving proper attention to your husband, uh, going on dates together, man alive. If we're not careful, it'll be two years before we go on a date. If we're not careful, you know, this represents uh, time with your kids. It does. Uh, Father-daughter dates are important if you don't show your daughter love somebody will it's others time with your boy yeah teach him how to throw a fastball teach him how to hit a ball but teach him how to be a man and that only takes time and I don't say I don't sit here and I don't think I got him the story of my family is yet to be told friends I don't think I have it I I don't I don't have it all worked out I know that I have flaws I, I mean I got flaws and I know I do. Well, we got to care about it. We got to. We got to pursue it. We got to. We got to. We got to give attention to it. It would. It would. It would encompass uh, missions. Okay, caring enough about people to sacrifice money so that we can send people across the world. And, and my soul, have we not seen that we've done that this year? I'm so thankful for that. But it's not just about sending people with money. It's about going. And I would imagine that, there, that, that there's people here that are saying, you know, yeah, send them Heartland students. Send them Heartland students. Well, I don't, I don't talk about the Heartland students. I mean, I like to talk about them. I like to preach to them. But I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about maybe you. I don't know. There's somebody out there that God might be pricking your heart to get into ministry or, or, to, or to go to the mission field. It, friends, It's about others. Young people, it's, a, it's about the, 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 the weird girl at your school who has no friends. And you're popular. And you're pretty. It's others. It's, it's about the guy at school who has no friends, who, 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 who is just flat weird. But he's lost. And you could win him to the Lord. If you tell him. Church, it's about the bus kids that are all around Oklahoma City. All over here. that Their door has yet to be knocked. (coughs) But they're just waiting. They don't know it, but they're just waiting for someone to knock on the door and say, I'm from Southwest Baptist Church and you can bring them in and and see them safe. It's, 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 It's working on a bus. I'm telling you, what a ministry. It's getting a CDL so you can drive a bus. I'm working on that right now others. Okay? We're supposed to make it all work, right? We're supposed to juggle it all? You ready for this? I can't juggle four. <laughs> 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 I can't do it. I don't know how. I'm a three-talent kind of guy. I, I've got, there's three balls I can juggle, and if I, if I did four, it'd be ugly. Um, so in order to make it all work, we got to lay something down. You know what the first thing to go is? Spiritual life. You know what I mean? Because it's, in terms of your Bible reading and prayer life, it's the most hidden. Nobody really sees it. And so it's easy to go. I mean, you can be in church and with a suit on and not read your Bible. And not be doing it for, for months, weeks, days, years. It's easy to let that go. And so we, we sit here and we say, okay, well, I got others and I'm, I'm, I'm helping others. I'm, I'm on a bus route. I've got work and school and I've got my life. And ooh, ah. see God, look, I'm doing it all. And God's like, no and through preaching or through whatever it might be god god speaks to your heart and, and, and he says no you haven't been in the word and no you've been skipping church here and there no you haven't had meaningful time in prayer with me and you're like god you're right i got to i got to i got to make this work and so you pick it up and you know you have limitations every one of us do and so we look at what we have in our hand and we say, well, I, 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 maybe I ought to work less hours and, or, or, or study less or do whatever less that that would involve. I've got to do that less. And so, oh, look, God, aren't you proud of me? I'm making life work. I got it all. I'm doing it all. I'm accomplishing everything. And, and you know and I know that God is not pleased. And so he, he, your boss calls you in and he says, you know, you've kind of been slacking a little bit. And You're like, you're right. You know what? I've just got a lot going on right now. I'm going to try and make it all work. And here we go. And so you, you, you say, well, I can't do the spiritual life. I tried that and that didn't work. And, and obviously the work in school didn't work. So others can't be on the bus route anymore. I can only do so much. I mean, I'm only one man. I, I'd love, I'd love to go out on a date with you on this this month or this year, but it's just been a little bit too time little squeezed right now. You know, honey, I, I know you, you. I know that you need some attention from daddy, but listen, like we'll get to it next month, okay? And son, I know you're struggling over here, and I know you're you're acting up, and I know you're acting the way. Honey, I know he's acting up, and I know he's struggling. But you know what? Don't worry about it. I'll get to eventually. He'll be fine. He's just a boy. He's ten. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll pick missions back up after this after this hard time. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll 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 go. I'll, you know I'll I'll go to missions. Um. I'll go, I'll go to the mission field. Just let me get through this. Get these few bills paid off, and then we'll make it work. Okay. Yeah. That's what we'll do, okay, God. look how, look how good I'm doing. God, I'm. So, you must be so proud of my life and what I'm doing. But God convicts your soul, and you know it, and like I would know that maybe you're not doing exactly what God has called you to do, and you look down. And you look at maybe some of your family needs attention. Your marriage might need attention. The church ministries might need attention. People in your school might need attention. And you recognize that you dropped the ball. And so you pick it up and say this. Okay, God, I know, I know, God, I know. I'm trying to do it all, God. I'm just one man. I'm just one single man. And I, I, I'm going to do my best to make it work. No, I'm just going to work harder. I'm going I'm to make life work. God, here we go. Are you ready? Okay. Just wait, God. Give me one more shot. I can do it, I promise. Frustration. And irritation. Anger kicks in and you say, God, you, you, you are asking too much of me. God, I am only one man. God, I can only do so much. God, I am, I'm taking my ball. I'm taking my life and I'm going home. I'm walking out on my family. I'm walking out on my kids. I'm walking out on my church. I'm walking out on this. I'm walking out on the people. I'm walking out on the bus. It happens all too often. You know why we would rack our brains trying to get young people to not leave high school and not go into the college and career? Do you know, do you know why? Your life. Selfishness. It's all about you. It's a selfish life. And so many people have taken their life and they've left church or they've left family or they've, or they've, they've left the things that they know that they're supposed to do. Why? Because really what it involves, all this involves is, is a selfish person. But wait a minute. What does Jesus tell us to do? Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And so many of us can come to the place in our life where we recognize it and we say, okay, God, I know what you're telling me to do. I know that you want me to lay down my life because there's a lot of work to be done and there's a short time to do it. God, I'll do it. You can say, okay, I, I, I know, God, I messed mess up that time. We'll try it again. Here we go. There it goes. Yep. I've given God everything. I've done it all. I've laid down my life, but all, all along, it's a hidden ball trick. You've had it all along. But what, what God is requiring of, of us, and, and, and let me just say it, Heartland students, you know what God is requiring of you? As one who is a God-called minister, is to take your life and lay it down. Yeah, but I really, I, I really get a lot of enjoyment out of social media and Twitter. Oh. Yeah, I really get a lot of enjoyment out of YouTube for hours and hours. To the neglect of What? Now, if, if listen, you, you can be a YouTube star. You can have a bunch of likes on your social media, but you will not be his disciple if you're holding on to his, yeah. your life. You won't do it. You can't do it. And it's not, it's not an option. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. Because you can be a whole lot of things uh, uh, in, in this life. You can have a lot of money. You can go a lot of places. You can be a lot of things. But if you are holding on to your life, a disciple is not one of them. Yeah. Right. So? What Jesus is telling us to do is this. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. That's it. Not in a horizontal, not in an upright, active position, but a horizontal passive. It's there, and it's staying there. So that this... So that we can do the things that God has called us to do. You know what that's called? A loving life. Because if you want to love like Jesus, you have to lay down your life. Father, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the text. I'm sure do ask God that you would. Um, bless the invitation and bless the hearers of the word. I'm, I'm asking God for your help and in the invitation that people would respond properly to you and to your word. And so Lord, I, I sure am thankful for the patience that you have. And even once again, the, um, patience that you show me as, as you work on this in my own life. And so God, I'm, I'm asking that once again, that you'd help, um, all of us, to just be a little refresher for us that we need to lay down our life uh, daily, as Paul would say, I die daily, and that we would lay it down and we would give it over to you as a church. I'm so thankful for the Southwest Baptist Church and how that's been proven to be true decade after decade. And Lord, I pray that this would serve as a reminder and a help uh, to the people here today. We love you. thankful for your goodness to us. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.